Well, let's turn our attention to the Word here. <clears throat> and um, we are in the middle of uh, just a three-part series under the, the theme Multiply, right? And we're looking at how uh, we have a God who is a multiplication God and, and how God wants to multiply uh, things in our life. So for those that weren't here last week, get you the quick quick catch-up here, quick review stuff, and just acknowledging that we have a multiplication God. God likes math, right? There's things he wants to subtract from our life. There's things he wants to add into our life. The big thing is he is a multiplication God, that he just wants to multiply his presence, his purpose. He wants to multiply his benefits and his blessings into our life. And we just, Matthew 10.10, I love it when uh, God makes it easy to remember, right? Matthew 10.10, the thief's purpose is steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give uh, his people, what, a rich and satisfying life. He just wants our lives to be incredible. Right? He just wants to multiply our lives. So we have a multiplication God. Uh, and then we looked at that and said, okay, we have a multiplication God, but w- what do we need to do? Well, we said, look, we need to love God and act like we do. We just, we just need to love him absolutely, completely, wholeheartedly, and then let our life take on that shape and that form. So if we love him, then, then we'll act like his people. And we look back at Deuteronomy 30, the covenant that he made there, and we see how God just says, look, love me with your whole heart, and then just obey, follow my commands, right? And so that's what we do. We love God, and we act like we do. And then we took the first step in the multiplication experience and said, all right, if we're going to act like we do, what do we have to do? And one thing we acknowledge is, well, we've got to give God our first and our best, right? We give him our first and our best. And so we don't give God the leftovers. We don't... We don't say, well, I got this, this, and this to take care of, and then I'll get around to God, that we just give God our first and our best. We put him first in our life, and I even challenged you at the end to say, hey, look at your calendar and, and see if you're giving God uh, the first, you know, and, and look at your, your giving. Are you tithing? And are you putting that first 10% uh, in, in front of everything else, right? So we're going to pick up on that uh, today uh, and move forward. And that asks the second step is that, Okay, if we want to keep multiplication and the opportunity of multiplication going in our life, what else do we have to do? Well, as you go into Scripture, this would be the next step. The next step is you just got to put things in Jesus' hands, and then you got to act in trust, right? So you put God first. That's what we said before. You, you put God first, uh, but you got to just put your whole life into Jesus' hands, and then you just act you just trust in faith, and you walk in faith like he's in charge. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to saying, you know, Jesus is Lord, that, that's not a statement that we can say, well, look, Jesus is Lord of this part of my life, but, you know, this, this, and this, I'm not so sure I want to give up, right? I mean, it, it's, it, you're either all in or you're not, right? When you say Jesus is Lord, he is Lord. And, and you put everything uh, under his lordship, put everything into his hands, and to show how important this is and how it applies to the principles of multiplication, I take you into the scriptures and take you to that experience of when Jesus fed the 5,000. You heard of this experience? Sure. It's all over. I mean, it happened. All the Gospels carry this experience of Jesus uh, feeding the 5,000. And if you look close, you'll find not only did he feed the 5,000, but there was another occasion where he fed the 4,000. So he was into this feeding thing and multiplying, okay? He feeds the 5,000 on one occasion, he feeds the 4,000 on another occasion. I mean, this is the Scripture's way and Jesus' way of showing us exactly what we're talking about. He, he is a multiplication God. He is a multiplication God. 
so if we get into scripture, we look at the feeding of the 5,000. It says uh, the apostles returned, so they returned. Well, they were out doing, he had sent them out, right? And they, and they went out and did all these incredible things, which is interesting as we get into it. They went out and did all these incredible things. Now they come back. They told Jesus what they had done. They're all excited. And he took them with him, and they went off by themselves to a town called Bethesda. So they come back. They're all excited, all the great things that God did through them. And they start pouring it all out. Jesus, let's go be alone for a little while. And so they get in the boat. They go, they go to be alone for a little while. But what happens? In verse 11, but the crowds learned about it, and they followed Jesus. So they go to be alone, but that becomes impossible because the crowds just follow right after him. And it says... Jesus welcomed the crowds, them, and he spoke to them about God's kingdom, and he also healed those who needed to be healed. What's going on? Here's what I want you to see. I want you to notice that the people that sought him out are doing exactly what, what we're going to see in this experience is the first step. They, they are seeking him out, and they are just putting themselves at his disposal. I mean, they followed after him. They didn't, you know, oh, oh, he's gone. Oh, shoot, missed him. Darn, gosh. No, they followed after him. And then they just put themselves totally at his disposal. And he teaches and he heals. 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 What's going on about this time? He's teaching and he's healing. He's teaching and he's healing. And then somebody's watch went off. And it said, late in the afternoon, say late in the afternoon. You know what's going on right now, right? So what's going on right now? It's late in the afternoon. And the disciples start going, gosh, he's been talking a long time. You know, the watch is going off. The phone is going off. They're thinking about, geez, you know, he's teaching and he's healing, he's teaching and he's healing. I mean, come on, Jesus, you gotta, it's getting kind of late here. Come on, enough of this teaching and healing stuff. I really, I mean, uh, and so the 12 come to him. Notice it says the 12, they're all in on this. They come to him and they said, Lord, send, send the crowd away. They can go to the nearby villages in the countryside. There they can find food and a place to stay. Now notice the next thing they say. This is so important. There is nothing here. There is nothing here. You see their attitude? They look at the situation and they say, gosh, Jesus, I mean, come on already. And so they go and say, Lord, listen, it, it's, you mean, you're teaching a long time here. It's getting late. You, you need to send them away because they're going to get hungry and, and, you know, there's nothing here. Are you serious? There's nothing here? Jesus is right in front of him. He's right in front of him. And what has he been doing all day? He's been teaching and healing, teaching and healing, teaching and healing, teaching and healing. He has been multiplying God's word all day. He has been multiplying miracle after miracle after miracle all day. And they look at the situation and say, Yeah, it's not a good situation here. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do, Lord. But you know what? That is so like us. That is so like us. When we get to what we're going to talk about today, you will hear all the time 
people will look at their life, followers of Christ will look at their life, and they will say, yeah, I, I just don't see how it's possible. I, I, I just I, I just don't see any other way here. I mean, I just I just don't see how how it can make any. I just don't see how it's possible. You remember that? that? See, that's the attitude they got. There is nothing here. Ironically, Jesus, who has the multiplication attitude, he says, "You give them something to eat." Speaking to the disciples, no. What does he see? When they say there's nothing here, he says. No, you don't understand. I'm here, you're here, the possibility of multiplication is here. See, he always knows. He always knows what our life can become. He always sees the possibility of multiplication. He always knows what he can do in our lives. Whether we can see it or not, he knows. And so he says to the disciples, listen, you, you can do this. You can do this. They respond, oh, Jesus, you got to be kidding me. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Well, we'd have to go and buy food for all this crowd. After all, there's about 5,000 men here. So there's, there's 5,000 men, which means there's probably a good fifteen to 20,000 people. Fifteen to 20,000 people, they look at the situation and say, you got to be kidding me. Here's all I've got. I, I, I just, I just, Lord, I just don't see how it's possible because... You know, this is all I got. I mean, I, I just I just don't know how I can do this, this, and this and still have enough for you. I mean, I mean, this is the same phrase that a lot of followers of Christ get around to when they get to the serious thing we're going to talk about today about giving God his 10%. Because they look at their world and they look at their life and they look at their finances and they say, there's nothing here. I, I, I just don't see how it's possible because I got this bill, this bill, this bill, and that. And, and, and I, just, I just don't see how I can do that. Amen? You see what they're doing? And Jesus says, wait a minute. You, 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 you can do this. You can do this. And then he, he says, have them sit down in groups of 50 each. And the disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Now, this in and of itself is a miracle, people. Think about this. You got you got fifteen or twenty thousand people. Okay, number off. You ready? One, two, one. <laughs> right? Have you ever been at the restaurant and you got like eight or ten people at the table and you try to settle up the bill and everybody's paying their own way? How easy is this? And he's got fifteen thousand people, twenty thousand people. He said, "Now everybody sit down. You know, fifty groups of fifty, and they accomplished this." This in and of itself is a sign that God is about ready to do something miraculous. That he is ready to multiply in a way that we, we just couldn't imagine. So what happens? And here's the key. They sit down and it says, Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. What had to happen? Everything they had, five loaves, two fish. Everything that they had went into Jesus' hands. Everything they had went into Jesus' hands. When you put everything you have, when you put everything you are into Jesus' hands, you just open the door to multiplication. Did you hear that? When you take everything you have and everything you are and you put it into Jesus' hands, 
you entered the possibility of multiplication. Jesus took it, the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. Other translations say he blessed them and he broke them into pieces. And the multiplication started. Now what's interesting is look what happens next. They put it into Jesus' hands and multiplication starts to take place. But look what he does. Then he gave them to the disciples to set it in front of the people. What does Jesus do? He takes the fish and loaf and begins to multiply and says, Now here, go give it to the people. Now, can you imagine that disciple that got the first loaf? He gets the first loaf and he goes to the first group of 50. Lord, I got one loaf. I got 50 people. Okay, take a piece. Small. Right? Hey, 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 hey. One loaf. Not too much. Right? Why? Because he doubts the possibility of what God can do if you put it in Jesus' hands. And he puts it in Jesus' hands, and Jesus begins multiplication, but then he says to the disciples, now act like you believe I can do it. Right? Act like you believe I can do it. And the disciples take the bread and they begin passing it out. And in the process of Jesus' hands and the disciples' hands, what happens? And all of them ate and all of them were satisfied. And the disciples picked up what? Twelve baskets of leftover pieces. I think this was Jesus' wisdom that they had 12 baskets of leftover pieces. You know what this means? Every disciple went home with a doggy bag. That, I mean, you know, think about this. This is kind of like a Jesus in your face thing, isn't it? You think I can't do it? Here, take home the leftovers. You think I'm not able to multiply? Here, take over the leftovers. You see, this is a simple principle of multiplication. And it starts with just the awareness that we've got to dump our attitude that says, I just, I just, I just don't see a possibility here. We've we got to dump our attitude that says, I, I, listen, I just, I just don't have enough. I, there's just not enough here. Because when you put it in Jesus' hands, he will multiply, and you, all you have to do is just act in faith. And this isn't just about your finances. This is across the board. Listen, if you want your marriage to multiply, what do you do? Put it in Jesus' hands and act. Start praying together. Start reading the Bible together as a husband and wife. And you see how God will multiply your marriage. You want your kids to get multiplied? I mean, not just the numbers. I mean, you want your kids' faith to get multiplied? Right? You want your kids to get multiplied in their faith and be able to stand over and against what they're going to face in the world? You put them into Jesus' hands and you make sure they're here every Sunday in our Adventure Camp program, not just when it's convenient for you. You get them in there every Sunday. You get them to jump. You get them to impact every single week and you'll see their life multiply. I mean, you want your career to multiply? Put your career in Jesus' hand and start making decisions based on what God's Word says. And you'll see your career multiply. And... If you want to see your finances multiply, put them in Jesus' hands and start tithing. Start doing what he says. Act like you believe it. Now, I know that you know, people hear that and say, well, wait a minute. Now, 
supposed to start tithing. That's really hard. Yes, it is. In fact, the Bible says, and Jesus points out, that is one of the hardest things for us to do. When it comes to this principle of multiplication, the hardest place for us is putting our finances totally into Jesus' hands. It's the hardest part. He, he knows that. He says, Matthew 19, I tell you the truth. Wow, it's really hard. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll, I'll say it again so you don't miss it. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. He knows. He understands what, how our heart works. And he knows it's hard for us to let go, right? Put the toy in the middle of the room, put two kids there, and what happens? Right? It's hard to let go. It's just hard to let go. But notice he says, then who can enter to be saved? Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it's possible with God, everything is possible. If you let God take over your life, and you just begin acting, and you begin tithing, he will multiply your life. I can, I can give you names of people who belong to this church who are tithers and beyond, who have used their resources, and they see their life to be all about providing for God's kingdom. And God keeps multiplying their benefits. He keeps multiplying them financially. I mean, it's just the truth. I can point them to you. Because they understand the responsibility of that, and they understand, I put it all in God's hands. That's it. I put it all in God's hands. And God keeps multiplying it. This is the principle for us to understand. It's possible if we just put it in his hands and we act in faith. Now, some hear this and they say, well, now, wait a minute, Pastor. You're talking about, you know, the tithe thing, and that's an Old Testament thing. And yeah, it is. It's an Old Testament thing, but it's an Old Testament thing that's really important to God. Right? Notice in the beginning, this is out of Malachi 3, it says, I am the Lord and I do not change. It says what? I do not change. He doesn't change his attitude about this, right? Whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, he's not going to change his attitude about this. This is really important stuff for us. It's really important in our relationship with Christ that we make that tithe, right? And in Malachi 3, he goes through and he says, listen, if you're not doing that, it's like cheating me. You get down towards the end in verse 8 there. He said, should people cheat God? You've cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When do we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings that are what? Do me. This is what we're supposed to do. Right? This is what we're supposed to do. Right? And then he says, listen, bring all the tithes into the storehouse and there'll be enough food in my temple if you do, says the Lord of the heaven's army. And then he gets into multiplication. He says, look, I will multiply it. I'll open the door, windows of heaven for you, and I'll pour out my blessing. That's all multiplication, isn't it? Now, you hear this, you say, well, now, Pastor, that's Old Testament. Now, that's law. That's Old Testament law. Yes, it is. That is Old Testament law. Well, but we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. Yes, we are. Absolutely. That's the important thing. Don't miss we live under grace. You know what that means when it comes to the tithe? That means we give away the 10% first, and then we do more. That's what it means to live under grace. That's what it means to fulfill the law. If you look at Jesus, and you look at the experience of those who weren't under the law, you'll see they gave out of grace. So Abraham, back in Genesis 14, way before the law came to Moses, right? Moses is way over here, 
Abraham's way over here, and it says Abraham gave a tithe. Jacob, same thing. Jacob gave a tithe. Way before the law, Jacob gave a tithe. Why? Because they were giving out of grace. They saw God's abundance and the blessing and the multiplication in their life, and they gave. Right? They just gave out of gratitude and grace. And that's what we do. Our giving isn't out of the law. Our giving is out of grace. But the reality is, Jesus came to do what? Fulfill the law. Think about, what does it mean for Jesus to fulfill the law? Well, he tells us. He says, listen, I have come not to abolish the law, but fulfill the law. I tell you the truth, till heaven and earth disappear, and even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So don't ignore it, right? Go ahead and obey it. Even more than that, he fulfills it so we can exceed it. He says in Matthew 5, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. What is our righteousness supposed to be? Better, right? I even gave you a different translation. He says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness does what? Surpasses. All right? Now stay with me. Surpasses. What does it mean? It means we tithe the 10%. We tithe the 10%. And because of grace, we give more. The 10% is the baseline. That's the floor. That's the beginning place. And because we're under grace, we exceed that. See, if you, if you go into the Old Testament and you look at what the people of Israel gave, they gave 23 to 27%. When you add up all, the, all the, the tithes that they had to do, the festival tithes and the almsgiving tithes, they gave between 23 and 27%. How good's 10% looking right now? Not so bad. <laughs> Not so bad. Right? But for us, what happens? We live under grace. And because we're under grace, we give that 10% as the, as the floor, and then we give beyond that. That's just the way it is. In my own life, you know, Jill and I tithe. That's what we do. We're absolutely committed to that. I, I'm thrilled to say my kids all tithe. They're committed to that. Absolutely. I think that's why God's multiplying their life. I really do. And, and you know, we're just going to keep doing that in our lives. We're just going to keep doing that. But you know what? When we built this building, right, and, and God was multiplying this ministry, guess what we did? We gave above and beyond. We gave her tithe, but we gave above and beyond. And, and it was an amount that hurt for us, but that's what you do. You, you give above and beyond. And I can tell you right now, guess what we're doing right now? We are already saving for the next building program that's going to happen here. Because we know it's going to happen, right? You know that's going to happen, right? You see that coming? It's going to happen. And so Jill and I, we're already saving because we don't want to miss out in the opportunity to make an impact and multiply God's kingdom. And so we're already there. We're already on board. We are already saving to make that gift that we know God wants us to make. But you see, that's not interrupting our tithe. That's just what we know God wants us to do above and beyond. That's the way it works. That's the way the giving thing works for us. And Jesus shows us that, in not just in, in what he says about tithing, but just the relationship to the law, right? That, that we exceed, we surpass the law. So, for instance... How many folks think the Old Testament law, you shall not kill, is still a good one? Yeah, so we're not going to say, well, you know, we live under grace. And so we don't need to really pay attention to that one. We live under grace. I mean, that would, not, that would be stupid, right? We wouldn't do that. 
Right, because Jesus came to fulfill the law. The same is true on the experience of tithing. Matthew 23 again. Look real close now in light of what I've been sharing. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. Why? For you're careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb garden. So what are they doing? They're giving a tithe and no more. They're counting out the smallest of seeds to make sure God gets his 10% no more. So they're giving legalistically, aren't they? Under the law. Jesus says, but you, you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. What's he saying? Well, sure, you should tithe, but you should surpass the law. You should tithe, yes, but it's more than that, right? We live under grace, and so we get to do more because we've received more. We get to do more because we've received more every single day. And so that 10% that we give, that's the beginning place, but that is an important beginning place. Final, let me do it this way. How many of you had the experience where you've gone to a soda machine or a snack vending machine, right? And, and, okay, so you really are desperate for a soda, right? You just, oh, man, just desperate for a soda. You start rummaging through your pockets. You start counting out the change. And you come up with everything you need, but you're 10 cents short. You're 10 cents short. How important is that 10 cents? It's absolutely vital. It's absolutely vital. It's the difference between being totally satisfied with that soda and not, right? It's the same experience. That 10% is absolutely vital in putting us in a position for God to be a God of multiplication in our life. Remember what happened. They took everything they had and they put it in Jesus' hands and he multiplied it and gave it back and said, now go and act like it, right? That's the deal for us. What is it? It's ultimately a grace challenge. It's ultimately a grace challenge. And, and this is the only place in Malachi 3 here, this is the only place in the entire scriptures where God gives us permission to test him. No, no place else. But in this place and in this circumstance around this issue, he says, try it. Put me to the test. Straight at us. Try it. Put me to the test. Just try it. Put me to the test. Don't look at your situation and say, yeah, there's nothing here. I mean, I, I mean there's just not enough. We j- I just don't see how that... Don't put yourself there. Try it. Put him to the test. And what does he say? If you do that, you'll experience multiplication. He will get involved in your, in, in your life, and he will bring prosperity to your life. Does this mean he's going to make you rich? No, it doesn't mean he's going to make you rich. Don't go there. It means... He's going to multiply his presence in your life. He's going to multiply his purpose in your life. And he is going to provide for you. He is going to do what he does. He's going to take what you are, everything that you are, and multiply it in something more than what you imagine. That's his promise. And to the disciples and to us, he would get in our face today. I really think that. He would get in our face today and he'd say, now, now, listen. Let's wrap this up and think about this. I fed 5,000, 20,000 people. Oh, yeah, and, and I taught them and I healed them and I taught them and I healed them and I taught them and I healed them. And then I multiplied and I fed 
5,000, 20,000 people. And remember when it was all over, what was left? Twelve baskets full. Put me to the test. Disciples did. Put me to the test and see if you don't go home with a doggy bag. Because I can do it. That's what he's saying. I could do it. The question is, do you believe it? Are you ready to put your whole life into Jesus' hands? And just step out in faith and do what he asks. Just step out in faith and do what he asks. Because God has already done it for you. He has already put the life of his son on a cross. He's already done it. And three days later, he walked out of a tomb. Put him to the test. If he can do that, you'll walk home with a doggy bag. Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. Just a multiplication, God. Help us, help us not to miss this, Lord. Help us not to ignore this in our walk with you, that we just put everything we are into your hands, and we hold nothing back, but we just trust you. We, we live by grace and abundance in that grace, and we just honor you. So just break through those barriers today, Lord, that would, would keep us from taking this step. Just break through those barriers and help us. Help us to just be multiplication people who see what you can do, who know what you can do, who believe what you can do, and who ultimately experience what you will do. We ask it in Jesus' precious name as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the power. 